to our podcast. This is the first of, I don't know, whatever. If you guys end up enjoying it, we may do it for a while. But we'll try and get one out every week. Um, we are two horse people just talking about life things. Um, and with random appearances of my dog, which I'm sure will occur along our travels. Um, my, my name is Red Curtis. Mango! <laughs> That's Mango. Mango! And... And this is Jessica. And we're just going to talk today a little bit about, like, life and doing what you want and the pressures of what you should do or shouldn't do and stuff like that, I guess, randomly. Yeah. So what's your... We, well, we kind of started this conversation in the car. <laughs> well, I guess, like, it came up because I'm just entering a, a new world right now where I'm kind of crossing between... The performance side of things and another world that is I guess you know people that are breaking and training and doing all of that and I'm finding that there's so many different worlds out there you've got the Western the equestrian the competition the pony club the trail riding the people that you know and and you go to someone for advice thinking you know this person's really knowledgeable and and they'll give you some advice and you say okay but then you go to somebody else and they'll be like oh no that's completely wrong and you have to do it this way and that way and you just don't know which way to turn yeah um <laughs> and it's really hard to find a direction for yourself i think like do i want to be a dressage rider and be all swanky and do i need the best quality you know pessoa saddle that's four thousand dollars because my competitors have that does that make me competitive yes. yeah you know I found that like just even coming into as being a coach I I came into it being like do I actually have to be a bitch to be a coach mm. and I really suffered from that dilemma being like do I have to change who I am to be successful in my career do I have to change who I am to be successful with my friends or or surround myself with people that I want to be surrounded by and and I really found that the the key to that was me just being myself to surround myself with people that liked me. I guess with that as well, you just like something that came to mind is the whole point about networking. Yeah. I mean, like, it's like, do you, it's, it's kind of, it's such a clicky industry. It's like. You need to be able to get somewhere. It kind of feels like you need to know the the right people or have the right people on your social media or swing a name here and there to get by. Yeah. But is that really true to yourself? Like as a coach. Yeah. Like you could still be the exact same coach and um, yeah, you yeah. could still be the exact same coach, but. To be able to be like, oh, I trained with this person and that person and, you know, you've got maybe 20 Olympians on your Facebook page. That's yeah. going to help you sell more. So yeah. yeah. How do you feel I'll try to fix that. I think I'll, uh, I think I'll do it. Oh. <laughs> I just didn't have yeah. the outlet turned on. There we go. I'd always <laughs> plug it in. <laughs> plug it in. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think, I think a tough part for me was coming from, from Canada, coming into Australia and being, being my own person and my own coach and really struggling um, in essence like nobody knew me here nobody knew me from a hole in the wall and I really had to get to know people so that people knew me mm. and it didn't matter how well I coached or how hard I worked or how many people I coached or anything like that it, it really 
word of mouth is everything in almost every industry. It's not even just the equine industry. It's like all over the place. Word of mouth is so big. Do you think, like, what's more important? Do you think, what do you think our struggle is? Do you think it's word of mouth or, like, performance? Like, if you go out and win mm. and you know nobody and nobody's heard of you yeah. and you go and kick everyone's butt, is that going to impress people enough? Because I just kind of feel like if you were to be that person that everybody knows because you're well connected, they'll be like, oh, she lost, it was a bad score, but yeah. you know what, she'll kill it next time. I, I suffer with that as a big fat loser. Like, I am, <laughs> I am a big fat loser. <laughs> <laughs> That's not, you have some ribbons. I have some ribbons there, yeah. Um, but, like, I, I go out knowing that I won't place for the most part go out knowing that I won't place and and I think that my performance on a horse doesn't necessarily depict who I am as a coach like people like me as a coach because of the way I coach mm -hmm. like I can go to a coaching seminar that's taught to me by you know, AFL coaches, and I will still be able to take so much from that yeah. and be a better coach because I can teach better. Yeah, well, I don't think you even need to particularly be able to ride it to teach it. It's the same as, like, um, what was it, Dance Moms. I don't know anyone that's listening or watching. There was this program that I was completely addicted to watching. I grew up doing dancing, and I loved it. But the, this, this lady is, like, hugely recognized all over the world for her amazing dance students and this dance studio and she is like this I'm um, how do I say it not a dance physique she would be over a hundred and forty kilos maybe 150 kilos like she's a, a large woman that's and well into your 200 pounds for anybody in Canada listening to this yeah okay well yeah you, <laughs> this is good see we're gonna be able to do the whole conversion thing <laughs> yeah. like so she's large and I don't think I've ever seen her move. Like she's always sitting. But <laughs> she can she knows what something is supposed to look like. So right. therefore she and she knows the term, she knows what um, what something is supposed to be. So as long as you can do that, I think I think too as a as a coach, like being able to ride the movements is a huge thing for me. Like, if I, if I don't feel comfortable teaching a flying change, if I can't ride a flying change, you know, like that kind of stuff. Um, and I'll always guide my students, if they ask me to teach them something that I'm, like, it's out of my zone, then I send them somewhere else. But um, I, I think a big part of it, too, is the fact that I've watched students and I've said seven things to change one thing. And I know which one is going to work for who. Mm -hmm. So if I want someone to to sit on their bum rather than sitting on their pelvis, which is something that tons of riders struggle with. We sit on the front of our pubic bone. Me as a rider, I do that a lot. You don't do that. I see it. Like, I see it. I see you. <laughs> see, I found the opposite with coaching. Yeah. Like, I find, like, I have to tell people to sit more forward like on yeah. their pelvic bone but that's always on their butt yeah but that's that's because the students that you end up getting ride more like you and i get <laughs> students who ride more like me um, and so so i'll be saying okay turn your tailbone underneath you okay that doesn't work that person yeah, didn't get it yeah okay sit on the pocket sit on your pockets pretend you have pockets on your jeans mm, that didn't work push your belly button towards your spine 
because all of those statements make the same movement you know and so the more you coach and the more you understand how to coach a movement then you're able to to be a better coach yeah so no coming back trying to bring this all the way around i can lose a lot and still end up in a situation where i can coach and and i can coach well and i don't think that that i think i think seeing my students out there winning makes me look better as a coach but i don't think me necessarily out there winning makes me a better coach so you don't think like people will look at that and be like so i mean i personally whenever i've looked at a coach i don't go through their record and be like okay how many medals have they won what were they placing what scores did they get i ask for word of mouth who is a good coach who's going to suit me and Mm -hmm. who's going to suit my horse yeah absolutely yeah and it's a combination thing too and you know. what you're after, personality. Oh, yeah. Man, <laughs> how many coaches out there have we all, like, even teachers, like school teachers in, oh. like, in primary school, high school? You just, you mesh with some, and then you completely clash with others. And sometimes it's not even, like, that they've said anything wrong. It's the way they're describing something, or, you know, you don't, you just don't click and connect. And I really think that's important. Yeah. Like, Teaching or, or being a student, vice versa, you need mm-hmm. to be able to try. You need to build a relationship, relationship and trust that person. Yeah, and I find that that as a coach, I end up in a situation where I'm at home and I make phone calls to people, or I'm in the car and I'm talking to people, and I know that my students view me as a friend, and I absolutely view them as a friend. I think my boundary between business and personal just doesn't exist anymore Mm. you know like i will go i would go to a client's birthday party and be totally fine with that you know i don't have a line and and that makes it quite difficult for me because i end up in a situation where i never stop working i have been in situations though where it's become difficult uh in the middle range of of students that because I have become quite close friendship-wise with them, mm-hmm. then they become blurred lines. So you try teaching, and they start, I, I, they start the, the, the respect kind of drops, and you get the answering back, and you get the, well, why shouldn't, you know, why should I if you weren't, and those yeah, kinds yeah, of things. Yeah. And I'm like, hang on. So you got to kind of roll it back a little bit and be like, okay, this is where I'm the instructor, and this is where I'm your friend. Yeah, I, like, maybe, like, I use that to my advantage. When they start, when they start trying to give stuff back to me, I was like, well, you know what, I rode out, I rode without stirrups today, so do you want to go that far? Do you want to play that game with me? Like, I did it Well, you get on and do it. (laughs) Well, it's not my pony, so. But I I still will get on and ride if I, if, if I think it's going to be advantageous for the pony. Yeah. But. Coming back down to, like, okay, is, do you change who you are to benefit your job? I think for a lot of business people, that can be a really difficult thing, too. Like, imagine, imagine if you and I worked in finance or something. Done that. Yeah. (laughs) And, uh, and, and then we had to go and network, and I really found, when I was a business professional, I found every time that I went out, firstly, I would get way too drunk for my own good, and secondly, I 
I would have to be somebody I wasn't. And I found that living in somebody else's skin was was almost a release in the sense that I could come home and just yeah shut that off completely. Hmm. I never found... Yeah, I could always sell something, but I didn't feel like I was somebody else. Right. I never found... Yeah, I've always been able to stick pretty much true to myself. It's kind of like, well, this is kind of who I am, what I am. I'm pretty straightforward. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I'm also quite, I know who to be polite to. I'm, yeah. I'm quite polite at the start. Yeah. At the start. At the start. <laughs> <laughs> Until I start knowing how many boundaries I can cross. I but, think, yeah, I think that I, I just go like, no, I'm a different person. Mm. Like, I just go, this is what I need to be. Or I was told one day um, by someone, you know what people want to eat and you feed it to them. Mm. And that's exactly what I do. Like, I know exactly what that person wants to eat and I feed it to them. And and it just makes me someone who... I'm not, and the to get even deeper into this one, I did it in a lot of relationships. Mm. Like, I lived in some oh. relationships where I was someone completely different. Absolutely. I'm 30 now. Let's just put it out Me there. too! <laughs> she is too, but I turned 30 first. And yeah, yeah. let's just say I had like a midlife, well, we'll call it like a semi-midlife crisis. And I was like, oh my God, I'm 30. And I don't know who I am. Like, if someone mm -hmm. says, like, who, do you, who are you? What do you like? What style? I have no idea because I've literally just molded into whatever I could. When I was younger, I struggled with bullying and I was very overweight and all of that. And so I found that the only way that I could make friends, I mean, you can't really say that they're friends if they don't accept you for whoever you are, mm -hmm. but I was fitting into or, or changing myself and, and the way I acted and dressed and whatever to fit in with whatever I needed to be. And that then followed into relationships that actually became really harmful. Mm -hmm. And I think now, even just in the past two years, I've just been able to be like, okay, well, this is me now. Yeah. And I don't really mind having a few close friends. And I guess that's why I don't have hundreds of friends. Yeah, yeah. Um, because it's like, take me as I am. But I wanted to run back down to how we started we're this going, We're going back to this childhood thing yeah. in a minute, but yeah, okay. I'm going to keep that one over here. <laughs> yeah. We were saying about like who you are. Whenever I start teaching someone new, mm -hmm. the first question, and I sit the adults aside, like yeah. if it's, if it's a, a young person, I sit mm -hmm. the adult. I don't want the adults around to answer this question, and if it's an adult, then obviously it's up yeah. to the adult. But the first thing I ask them whether it's over the phone or whether it's at a lesson, is I'm like, okay, what would you like to do? Yeah, like where do you want to go with where this? Where do you want to go? Because if you just want to learn the basics and go trail riding and have fun, I'm not going to be teaching you how to like to correctly, <laughs> you know, work this horse into this amazing dressage horse when you are just going to be bored riding around in circles and mm -hmm. really hating everything that we're doing. Yeah, I'll, I'll teach you to what you want to do and that might change you know we might be halfway through the process and you're like you know what I want to try jumping yeah then we try it and you fall in love with it and let's roll with that yeah absolutely I don't think we need to put ourselves in a box and say okay well I'm a dressage rider now so I need to live this lifestyle yeah and, and a lot of people get sucked into that a lot of people spend money 
becoming something that they think they want to be and then think, oh, oh shit, I've spent too much money. I'm then out. I'm, I'm here. Like, I this is what out. I have to do. I'm then out and I have no idea what to do. Red, tell me what to do. What do you want to do? Well, my <laughs> issue, right? Okay, so I've now got an opportunity where I've got my own young horse that I bought, well, I purchased her because she had really good lines for dressage. And I thought that's what I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. um, so I purchased her young and I was like, okay, I'll wait and I'll put her in full and all of that. Yeah. So then in the meantime, I'll train up for dressage. But I've also had all these opportunities come to me where I've been able to take on some horses and train them up. So now I've got all these horses coming at me. I've got one that started jumping and I'm falling in love with jumping again. And I've got you know, a nice stallion that potentially could do some dressage, but he needs a lot of work because he's a nightmare. Yeah. But I'm in this mind frame that the only way possible I could go out in public is if I'm in this, you know, maybe like an equipped saddle that's $8,000 and no. $3,000 Italian boots and, no. you know, my fancy dress. You know, I feel like I can't go out unless, you, you know, I'm at come that. out with me because... You will always look like you have the better stuff. Because I go out and I have a cheap saddle and but cheap jobs. And you're like fancy little. But it's all cheap. My stock tie cost me $15. What's a stock tie? Just the little like thing that looks fancy underneath oh. my jacket. Yeah, it's just like that's, that's, that's a tie. My jacket, my I mean, jacket cost me not even $100. And it makes me, it cooks me like a sauna. It doesn't breathe at all. I need a new one. You can have my jacket. Um, and, you know, my helmet was 50 bucks. I don't have a $500 kept helmet. That's the other thing. I went to look at helmets. They're $999. Don't worry. I have a $55 helmet, girl. <laughs> and my saddle was, I think, 700 bucks. My, you know. Okay. Put it in, okay. And you look at me as a picture because I try my best to keep my stuff clean, you know, and my $75 jods, you know, whatever. And I go out and I compete with the big boys and I lose. That's okay. Yeah. It's okay to, like, win or lose or... Because you can describe yourself. It's all right. You can just leave her. She's just barking. My husband's trying to steal the dog away. Um, he did it very silently. Yeah, he was silent he about it. Snapped. Um, and and it's not about the gear. It's not. It's never about the gear because when you tie your horse up to the foot, nobody comes over and goes, um, "Excuse me." No one comes to your face. No one comes to your face. Yeah, but everyone's down in the background. If you kill everybody with kindness, like I had a lady came up to me. She was walking past me. And I knew she was in my class because she rode in the same warm-up ring and blah, blah, blah. I didn't watch her ride or anything like that. And as she walked past me, leading her horse, I said, how did you go? And she goes, oh, you know, this is our first EA dressage and blah, 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 blah. And I was like, awesome, good on you. And like, did you have fun? That's always my first question. Did you have fun? I don't care how you placed. Did you have fun? And, and you know, she was just really surprised mm. that somebody stopped and said like how are you because uh, nobody cares about other people they only care about themselves <laughs> <laughs> they care about 
looks. They care about how their style looks. They don't give a sh about you. I know. Unless you how bad that. is that that I have now become part of that? Like, I saw a float online the other day, and I was like, ooh. I'd love to rock up in one of those. But who cares who if cares? I rock up and I lose or I get bucked off? Yeah. Everyone's still going to laugh at me. Yeah. Well, nobody laughs. But because Sam, to your face. Nobody, nobody laughs to your face. Um, yeah, so I think at the end of the day, for me, I don't really care. I don't care what equipment I have. I don't care. You know, I just want to go out there and have a good time. And, and challenge myself. So why do you think the prestige is there? Because if it's it awesome doesn't ride. matter. If it doesn't oh, matter. We're not talking about the saddle. We're talking about the No. That's <laughs> <laughs> great. Not the yeah, prestige okay. saddle, no. Why do you think it's there? Because if all the top, like, if all the good, like, I watch the riders, and no joke, the people with the nice clothes are really good riders. So because then I'm like, they well, get sponsored. So the, then yeah. the sponsors, which use, means they're a good rider to be sponsored. Yes, but then the sponsors use that to sell their product. Yeah. So, so that's why they have better riders. So doesn't that like, no, match? No. But you can be a good tack, good rider. Bad tack, bad rider. You can afford good tack and still be a crap rider. Yes, I've you seen those too. Yes. yes, so that is why. When you're a great rider and you've demonstrated being a great rider, then people will sponsor you and you'll get good stuff. Okay, mission to sponsor. <laughs> <laughs> if you'd like to sponsor our podcast, <laughs> chapter two. <laughs> um, but the, okay, now I'm going to digress all the way, all the way back. Oh, we're going back to like childhood. childhood. Yeah, okay. let's we're, get deep. We're going to go back to like the way relationships and being a different person and I think that too relates to the fact that you have nice gear or nice stuff and you try and show that you're one person when you may not be that person like I know I'm I'm that broke girl like I, I don't I'm not bothered by the fact that I'm a broke girl and I have I have always been a broke girl and I'm not necessarily that broke anymore but I still don't want to spend my money like it ain't no thing mm. um but when I was growing up, I found that I had no idea who I was. I had no idea who I was. And, and I drank too much. I was to whoever somebody else needed me to be yeah. in that moment. Yeah. Whatever it was. And whatever it was. And I had no idea who I was. So then I was getting in relationships and being whatever I thought they needed. Or sometimes manipulating them. And I've had to go back and apologize to some of those people. Mm. Like that I haven't spoken to in 10 years and been like, hey, when I was 20 and I dated you, I was a dick. And, and I was, and I feel really bad for being a dick and, and not knowing who I was and drinking too much and making bad decisions and, and treating you like less of a person than you should have been treated. Because I just didn't know how to get anywhere and I wasn't comfortable with who I was and I didn't know. I didn't know. I've kind of gone the opposite way in the sense that when I grew up, I was so submissive to what everybody needed me to be and wanted me to be. I had everybody else coming and apologizing to me yeah, my yeah, whole life. Yeah. But then when I hit that time where I was like, no, I need to 
define myself and who I am and what I want, mm -hmm. I kind of went the opposite extreme, and that is when I met someone that was amazing to me, but I treated them badly because I was so determined to not get into the same situation, right. not be manipulated, not be... You know, I wanted to be boss, and, and I think that has blown into so many other facets of my life, whether that be, like, um, fashion. It's like, you know, I have to have... I have to be the, the best dressed in the club. Like, I have to be that girl in the club that every guy wants because that's my insecurity. I never had that before. I've always wanted it, and now I need that it. That is wild to me. Yeah. Because, like, I did that. I was, like, all from, I don't know, probably 17 to 25. I went out with with girlfriends of mine that I loved so much. And I just knew that a little part of them hated me because every guy wanted to talk to me. Yeah, I was and upset. Every, <laughs> every guy wanted to come and talk to me. Every guy wanted to dance with me because I was out there and I was crazy and I was wild and I danced way, way too wildly. <laughs> and, you know, and I was and I was up for anything, anytime. Yeah. You know, and I got myself in way too much trouble. And, like, now, today is October 8th. I'll be sober for two years. Mm. And, and I just, I would never go back to that. I would never so know. I want to get yeah. in trouble. Yeah. I've had those conversations with you. I'm like, will you do this with me? And you're like, sorry, I can't. I've been there, done that, I'm over again. So I'm like, you know, everybody else has gone through those experiences, and now I feel like I've missed out on that chance. And if we round it back to the horse thing, it's kind of like, well, I never had the nice horses. Every horse I had, I had to work my ass off and work mm. through everything. I never had the nice gear. I never got taken to competitions. So now it's like, I want all of that so badly. I want the nice stuff. I want people, I want, I don't even care if I take my horse off the float, sit on it and put it back in the float. I want everyone at that competition to look at me and I just kind of feel and this is my own insecurity. I feel like people will look at me, judge me straight away from what I look like. Yeah. And that is it. Well, I mean, every time I walk into an arena, or like trot into an arena, I know that that judge judges me right off the bat as I come in. But I try my best to make sure my clothes are clean. You know, I always have a smile on my face. Every Does that matter? Yes. So if you have a mark on your judges, will you be marked down? Uh, I think it... A judge would would see it as like a well, you're not, you know. Hmm. But it would have to like I don't think they'd mark you down, but they would judge you f the same amount as if you came in and didn't smile. Whoa, yeah. smiling's a thing. You, every single one of my dressage photos, I you saw see. a big smile. I, I smile. didn't know like oh, smiles a big thing though. Do they? You present to the judge. No, you don't say not smiling, but you should smile <laughs> to the judge. Okay, guys, you guys can make a comment about this. Also, I'm going to try and put this on Anchor. Anchor allows them to make voice recordings to reply to us. Oh, we can put that. them into the next. So if you use Anchor, Anchor's a really great app. You can use it for podcasts. Um, and, and any comments or questions, please ask. We will be, like, get into it, like... We're an open book, right? Always open book. Nothing is off limits. Nothing. Always. 
Um, but yeah, like smiling when you, and I teach it to my kids. You come in on your pony club, 5A test, you don't even canter yet, you come in on that center line with a smile on your face. See, half the time I had probably cried about four times before <laughs> I even got on my horse. So like, I'd probably be smiling through the tears. Yeah. <laughs> like ugly smile. But I mean, I, I get so anxious that I come in on my center line, I stop at X and I salute to the judge and I'm smiling and I'm, my mouth is so dry that my lips are stuck there. <laughs> and then the rest of my test, I'm just going along like, oh my god, my mouth is stuck. <laughs> you know, and and it's worse in the summer, but but that is a thing. Presentation to the judge. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I always smile. Always smile. Do you get a smile back? I don't know. They're in a car half the time. You can still tell. I don't I don't know. I don't know. But I when I roll up <sighs> It's tough too because I'm a short person on a tall pony. Or short no, short no, person. It's not a tall pony. Well, it's short pony. Short person and short pony. But because we're the same height, like comparison wise, mm -hmm. people think that I'm on a horse. Yeah. Like, and then they yeah. touch me like I'm on a horse. And I'm like, I'm not on a horse. Yeah. It's really frustrating. Know that I'm on a pony. <laughs> you know, it's so hard too because I remember you made a comment the other day that um, someone had mentioned about rushing and you didn't feel that it was rushed. And I guess people's eyesight, I mean, if you're only competing in, in um, like pony dressage, then their eyes are gonna be readjusted. But if they've mm -hmm. just finished watching like seven, 17 hand warm bloods with big flowing movement, oh, and then this little, how tall is your pony? 13? 13 two. 13 two hand pony comes in and he's like, oh yeah, I'm sexy, <laughs> but like, you know, these little fancy little trots with the high knee action, like, it's a lot. He just goes real fast. <laughs> And then they, and then the judge says, like, use more half halts. And then another judge says, used her hands too much. And I'm like, my half halts were through my seat, firstly. Secondly, I'm trying. <laughs> he is very strong. Do they have, do they still have the good girl for trying the wood? It's no, like a white ribbon. No, they don't. Oh, when I was in dancing, you got like a white ribbon. I think it was called a recommendation. Oh, I think that's what they called it. And it was like the medal you got when you didn't place, but they wanted to make you feel good, so you got like a good girl for trying. Wow. Well, I mean, did I tell you that one of my dressage tests recently, last weekend or the weekend before, the fellow said on the dressage test, rider needs to learn the training scale and then proceeded to write the training scale. Rhythm, looseness. So he was really paying attention to your test. No, he was just judging the fact that he thought that I was too handsy. No, but I mean, to be able to write all of that, he obviously wasn't. No, it's at the end, in the comment oh, section. Okay, right. Yeah, so he wrote it at the end, and it, you know, the whole training scale, all six. Right? Rhythm, looseness, connection, impulsion, straightness, collection. Right there, right underneath each other. And I was like, sir, I am a coach. <laughs> I know the training scale. <laughs> I also use it, but this pony is very fast. <laughs> like I can't, I can't always focus on my rhythm. Sometimes he gets a little out of rhythm, and then he says to me, "Oh, use your hands too much, or use your seat too much." And I'm like, mm -hmm. "He's just very fast." What do you want, Maggie? 
saying hello. She wants screen time. She does. She wants she to wants. be with us. Um, yeah, so I, I think I'm excited to go to HRCAV with you and see how I do. So that is the next, next chapter. So basically, I stopped. Okay, so I started writing when I was in my teens, like first time writing ever. And then I rode throughout high school and then found a boyfriend and who told me that I needed to like sell all my horses after I'd gone to uni and done veterinary science and all of that stuff. So then I sold all my horses because I was stupid and you know, as we do, I was fitting into that mold yeah, that we yeah, all yeah. spoke about. So I fitted into that mold and actually converted to Islam and uh, that's a whole nother story. Wow. Um, so that, that, that's... That's a thing. That's like that. If that's Are not you fitting still into there? Our, no. Okay, cool. Just I'm now Christian. Cool. Another mold. Okay. Mold. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. See. <laughs> <Not that. laughs> Can you continue? <laughs> uh, so uh, yeah, that's just an example of fitting into molds. Anyway, so sold the best horse I've ever owned in my life, and uh, I sold uh, six horses and got out of it for about ten years and. I became extremely obese during that time and then lost a whole bunch of weight and then once I'd lost weight I had another sit in the saddle and started riding again. So I've probably only been riding for about two years now. Um, and then I was like, I thought everything was done. Like there is no way known that someone my age could possibly get back into riding and actually do competition. I, I thought it feel was all like, over. I feel like that's a, a topic for another time as well. Like, yeah. you know, I came back into riding. I went to driving and then came back into riding only, yeah. only four years ago now. And and really, you know, I thought my career was over when I hurt myself. And I was like, well, I'm done. Mm. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll just drive for the rest of my life. Mm. But, yeah. We'll save that. <laughs> we'll save that. <laughs> Pin it. We need to write that down because that's a really important topic, I think. Yeah, coming back into riding as you're older and, and thinking that you're not young enough to do it. Or even younger, I had a one of my clients is like giving up because she's had a bad horse and she doesn't have um, very much support and so she just kind of feels like giving up and getting out of horses altogether. So I think we have periods of time in our lives where things come up and it kind of drops back. But that passion is there, you know, so we pick mm. it back up again. Yeah. Um, I totally forgot where I was going with that story, but... Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, um, so you were at Islam somewhere. Yeah. So I think we got it. So you sold some horses, came back, yes. started riding. Yes. Now I'm at a point where I'm like, okay, oh, HRC, yes, HRCV. Right. There we are, sir. So, <laughs> okay, sir. Now that I'm like back, I was told by a coach that I really respect, um, who's also a relative, um, I, I was told, you know what, it's not too late. They've taught plenty of people, some people even take up riding at like 40 or 50, mm -hmm. and they're able to make Grand Prix in like yeah. three years. It just depends how passionate you are natural ability sometimes you know um, and consistency and how much you want it like you just you got to work hard and make it work and it is possible so yeah. that gave me the inspiration and said okay maybe it's not too late so next month I will be joining HRCAV yes and the reason is because I want to take some young horses that I'm working with to get them some exposure and also because I want to compete with or against this one I'm highly competitive I think so. I think that it'll be fun. I I think I think you're gonna have a lot of horses that are gonna give you the ability to beat me. Don't worry. 
Because I want a pony. Uh, Don't forget, I want a pony. Alright, alright. Okay, a man Keith thoroughbred that looks like she's been eaten alive by zombies. And, <laughs> or is a zombie, either way. I'm not quite sure. And a stallion that can't turn right. Okay, well, okay. <laughs> let's let's go with... Um, and, and also, you have to be graded still. But... We're going to go and do a couple of HRC AV comps. And so just to explain to you guys the levels, I know some of you will probably be Canadian listening to this and some of you will be Australian and this will just be a recap for you. But also why HRC AV and not EA, which is the official like yes. high competition stuff, which I'd really love to do, but we'll explain We're why. getting there. Okay, so um, Pony Club is called PCAV and that's what we'll call it here. Um, and then e HRCAV is like Adult Pony Club, and then EA is the big boys. So that's um, internationally recognized stuff. Um, so what I compete in currently is EA, so I compete against a lot of warm bloods and things like that. Um, I haven't been competing HRCAV just because it hasn't fit into my schedule, and none of my friends go, so it's not super fun for me to just go by myself. Well, Tim comes with me. He's lovely. But it's not always fun for me to just go by myself. Um, and then I think there's also showing is one thing. It's like like in Canada we call it hunter jumpers or hunters or anything like that. Um, but it's not necessarily hunters. They have hunters and hacks here. It's very convoluted. But that's called showing. Then dressage is what we mostly do. And then combined training Jessica is getting into, which is show jumping and dressage, or you can just do show jumping, which is self-explanatory. And the whole combined training thing is so that I don't have to do eventing, which also includes the cross-country, which is super scary because none of the jumps move, they're all solid, and that's where people die. Yes. So, so <laughs> I only do dressage. <laughs> I also specialize in ponies. So I do pony dressage, and I specialize in ponies for sale, and also with clients and things like that. But we are going to compete some more in HRCAV. I would expect my scores to be around the 65% mark in HRCAV grade 3. I'm I aiming to get graded grade 3 so that then we will be on the same time. time. Yes, that and just the same general like like if we have tests that we have to learn and all of that mm -hmm. kind of thing, it would be good to be at the same level. level. And then and then um, EA horses a lot prettier than yeah. yeah, I don't know. EA, EA, I compete novice, which is a little more than HRCV three. It's like HRCV two, whatever. Or one? Never, you know, no, no two. One is like, like PC, but they don't do anything. Not PCAV, HRCV. Yeah, they still don't. They, anyway. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so, so in EA, I would expect to show up and come out with a fifty nine. So that kind of tells you the the difference between the two. The judging is more critical, um, and I'll be going to a pony-specific event this weekend, and then we can talk a little bit about how that happened for me. It'll be an overnight event, and then that might tell me a little bit more about what scores I should be expecting mm. for pony-specific stuff. Yeah, but I don't know. I think I think we covered a lot today. 
Yeah, we have. We've gone all around. <laughs> this is so like this is how our conversations go generally. Like we have, we start off with a topic and then we kind of end up in Islam and like the bar, yeah. and then yeah. <laughs> and then we come back around and end up at pony comps. Yeah. So, well, maybe maybe we should wrap it up and see see how this one goes. And if you guys have questions, comments, things that you want us to talk about next time, if you want to sponsor our podcast, if you you know just anything, feel free to let us know in the comments. Uh, again, if you use Anchor, you can leave voice comments. We can actually insert them into our podcast. Um, if you watch this on YouTube, just put it in the comment section down below. Um, if you're taking a look at this in any other, just, you know, you can love us. Just love us. We need love. That's why we're here. And attention, obviously. And attention. <laughs> attention, love, like, I would really like some decent questions because be I love questions. Me too. Give me a question and I'll answer it. Anything. I promise. I promise. Cross my heart. Did I ever tell you about what I say to people when they say, hey, Red, I have a question. No. I have an answer. <laughs> <laughs> All right, thanks for watching, guys. Uh, we'll see you in a week. Bye. Bye. Bye.